Hello, I'm Daryl Breen. Before the release of Jason Bourne, I made Jason himself. And an actor who needs almost no introduction. Nominated for four Academy Awards, the winner of one. He's also got two Golden Globes, two BAFTAs and five Emmys. You'll know him from Goodwill Hunting, Saving Private Ryan, The Talented Mr Ripley, The Martian and, of course, from the Bourne franchise. In a London hotel, I had the pleasure of meeting Matt Damon. Uh, Matt, you've done already this on three continents. Uh, if a question pops up that you've answered more than, let's pick a number, like more than 16 <laughs> times. <laughs> don't, don't, don't say that. <laughs> yeah, okay. It's quite a It's going to so be a short like interview. Getting, getting fit again for the character, <laughs> yeah, was that yeah. like <laughs> Was it difficult to return to that level? Oh, yeah. Jesus. God. It, it, it's, it's great, by the way. It's great fun. The, uh, and it, uh, cause it's, it's a fantastic series because it's slightly more grown up to a certain extent than Bond, mm-hmm. but it also fulfills a certain fantasy. You know, the way that, you know, we know we're not superheroes. Right. We know right. that we're not sp- actually spies, but we could be amnesiac spies right. who were course, spies yeah. and have just forgotten that we Middle were spies. Middle-aged fantasy. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. at some point, a fight will occur and we will have skills we'll that we have. Unbelievable skills that just <laughs> just immediately appear. And and by the way, we can speak every language. We can. Yeah. Oh yeah, it all, it's all there, just yeah. waiting to come out. Like the yeah, uh, it was like a human matrix. I think it's all, all world knowledge is at your yeah. fingertips. But that's the fun of the character, and he's and he's so smart. And you know, it's fun to watch people on screen who are smarter than we are. You know. Yeah. <clears throat> Certainly smarter than 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 I am. But uh, but watching. Watching his decision-making process in the action sequence is always—it's always really fun. No, it is. It also has that thing of uh, what's happened here. That thing—the the people watching spy movies, like a John Le Carre type thing—of not really. You know, we're enjoying the ride, but we've no idea exactly why this is significant. But uh, yeah, that kind of <laughs> right. like a, like a you know the kind of of somebody turning to their you know husband or father in the cinema going, I, "What's what's whispering loudly? Why has he done that?" Right, right, right. You, right. Yeah, you're going, I, I don't know. I don't know either. <laughs> But the character understands it, and frankly, that's exactly. Fine. Then we go with him. Yeah, yeah. Um, disappearing. There's a lot of disappearing as well, and and this film starts with him just having been off the grid for what twelve years at this stage. Yeah, in screen time, it would have been twelve years because the ultimatum, if you remember, it actually dovetails with Born Supremacy. So yeah, so they overlap kind of. So. So technically, that was 2004. When By the way, there does raise him that the final film you did was called Ultimatum. Mm-hmm. And this is just bad parenting because you did an ultimatum and have That's right. backed up on it. It's true. It's true. Uh, yeah, I mean, you know. You've made yourself, you can, you can never do an ultimatum again. Well, to be fair, Bourne gives an ultimatum in each of the th- first three <laughs> movies. He keeps giving <laughs> ultimatums to people. We just finally called the last one the ultimatum. <laughs> you know, this is it. This is the ultimatum. This, this is it. No, no, no. Yeah. There's no, 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 no sweets before bedtime now. That's, That's it. it. Yeah, that is it. Push me as far as I'm going to go. Dad this. is drawing a line in the sand. <laughs> the, um, are we talking about improvised fights? Uh, and all that. The uh, how much training? Sorry, how much training is there? Is there, is there and a specific a specific training you do? You chose a particular martial art for this. We did uh, years ago. Chose something called Kali, which is a Filipino martial art. But but what I really do to get ready for these movies is um, the the director of the first one, Doug. He said to me six months before we started shooting. He said, "I want the character to walk like a boxer." And I said, I don't, what do you mean? And he goes, I don't know. He goes, there's something about the way those guys walk. There's a directness and efficiency, a balance. He goes, they, he goes, they just look, that's how I want you to walk. So I started boxing, and I'd never boxed before. I was 29. Um, and I loved it. I really just grew to love boxing. So, so, I, so I've kept up with it for the last 16 years. And, um, and before 
one of these movies, you know, I start one of these Bourne movies, I always ramp it up, you know. It's like if I do it only a few times a week, then suddenly I'm, I'm doing it every day, kind of getting ready for, for, uh, for a Jason Bourne movie. Um, and it really does, it, you know, it, it's got, it has a great effect on your body, and it also um, it does change the way that I walk. And, it's, and it, that's kind of all I have to do to get ready. Really? Yeah. So as long as you've got the stride? As a yeah, gate. yeah, yeah. It, it kind of it's a, it it gets you in a whole mindset. It's it's kind of perfect for the character. Do you? And then it helps with the fights because just just in terms of my own sense of balance and my own, you know, it, it's it's just very helpful because I mean, a movie fight is it's all about it's choreography. It's much more like a dance. So it's really you have to have good balance and kind of know where you're going and the person you're doing it with has to know where they, where they're going because if you're not both doing if you're not both in the right place, it just looks horrible. It doesn't work. And the trait is that he'll take anything. He'll use anything within the fight. So wherever Bourne ends up. Bourne in a mattress factory? What does he take? Uh, well, he probably uses a mattress to smother somebody. There we go. That's what he's to. Bourne in a florist? Uh, I think he could, he could just take the stem and just... And just wow, you know, it's actually genuinely frightening how quickly you're going yeah. with this. <laughs> Bourne in this room, just as a man, just looking there's around. There's so much in this room. Look at these bottles over here. I mean, this is, you know, this glass. I mean, this, there's, this is... This room would be a this is this is heaven for Gary Powell. He'd walk in here and find twenty things we could do. Yeah, yeah. Is it genuinely? Is it is it fun or is it so stop start these things that it's that? Uh... No, it's really fun. It's really fun with Paul and um, and you know and Frank and Chris Rouse. I mean, these are you know we've spent hundreds of days making these movies. You know, hundreds of shooting days. You know, years of our lives making these movies together and. You know, we've been in the shit together. You know, we've, it's like you feel like you've been in the foxhole with somebody. We've been under a lot of pressure. Um, we've been, you know, with script problems, with rewrites, with, you know. Uh, I once turned to Paul on the street in Madrid at three in the morning and said, we're in the wrong country. We had nothing left to shoot and we were in Spain and we had to get like travel orders out and everybody, you know, moved 200 people to Berlin. You know, it's... it's so we've been through all these kind of hectic situations and, um, and, uh, and to be able to come back together, you know, nine years later and, and get this same group of people that I love a lot and who I trust and um, who I'm really, whose work I really love and, and who I've worked, who, and, and I love the work that we all did together and, and to get us back together is really Really great. But I mean, the first time it was a punch to a certain extent. I mean, this, it was a fairly relatively low budget. The first born kind of it was it was not quite a sleeper hit, but it was one of those ones that that you know there wasn't. It was certainly yeah. it wasn't a, a tent pole. No, no, not mean. at all, not at all. Yeah, no, it was. Uh, I don't remember maybe a seventy or something million dollar, seventy five million dollar movie, something like that. Right. Um, and it's like a very I, European thriller as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Doug Doug really did model it after those European movies and. Um, and, you know, but we were a, like, I think almost a year delayed in coming out. We had massive reshoots and, you know, and it was a troubled production. And so I think it had that patina of it looked like it was going to be a turkey. And so when it came out and people really liked it, um, what happened was they, they you know, it, it, it opened pretty well. But then it played way longer and, you know, it kept doing really well week after week because and that's just all word of mouth that's all just people saying i saw this movie you got to go check it out 
And, and I think what happened was, was people really felt the sense of ownership of the, of the franchise. Like, like, that's mine. I found that thing. You know, it wasn't marketed down my throat. Because yeah, yeah. as you say, it wasn't a tentpole, yeah. right? So we, you know, we didn't have the giant marketing budget. Frank and I literally took the film around the country from city to city in America and showed it to journalists because we thought it was good. <laughs> and, 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 and that's how we got... We kind of cut through um, and got the I word mean, is out. it more difficult to make this kind of film now than it would have been back in, was it 2002 when the first one was, was being released? Would this film make the cut? Because now it's so franchise-based and there's so many superhero movies and stuff like that. Would a small European set, quirky thriller with a different, different visual look, would that be more difficult to sell in terms of getting the money for it now? I don't think so. I mean, I think if a movie's good, it doesn't matter. You know what I mean? It just yeah. But even it, getting it, just getting it made. It oh well, oh, getting it made. Well, <clears throat> yeah. Well, that's a different question. Um, no, you would you would need an executive with some serious courage. Yeah. To I mean it. It's hard. the movie business is very different than it was 15 years ago. I mean, you know, the DVD market's gone. You know, that really cut into the margins and. You know, there's there's a whole type of movie that really was my bread and butter. It was like the you know the twenty million to sixty million dollar drama that's just gone. That they just don't make them anymore. Yeah. And uh, you know, a lot of a lot of stuff has migrated to TV. A lot of great stuff. I mean, television's like, you know, there, there are wonderful things on television right now. But um, but in terms of you know, it's like when we went to do Behind the Candelabra, we needed twenty three million bucks, and we and it's Steven Soderbergh directing it, and it's Michael and me. Yeah, we couldn't get it anywhere. There wasn't one studio, so we went everywhere, and got turned down everywhere. Um, and HBO made it, so it came out here in theaters, but it, but in yeah. the states it was on HBO. Which and, yeah, because it wasn't eligible for Oscars. Was it right? Sure? No, 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 yeah, no. Yeah. It's Emmys. It's a you know it's a t- uh, the television awards, and it yeah. did very well, but but. But that, but you know, Stephen said to me in the course of that because I was gobsmacked. I went, "Wow!" Like, I guess I had a higher opinion of myself. But I thought, I thought Michael and Stephen and I would be worth twenty-three million bucks to somebody. But, um, but Stephen called and he said, "Look," he goes, "The good news is HBO is giving us everything we want, and and you know, and they turned out to be great partners, and we made the exact movie we wanted to make." He goes. And if we were making The Informant today, which we had made in 2008, he goes, we'd be at HBO. You know, there's not, that movie's gone. There's no studio that'll make that movie anymore. But then do you lose that thrill as a performer of seeing a large audience see it? You know, the I mean, at least getting that one weekend where there's posters of Bill, you see crowds arriving for it. That seems to be less and less of getting the, seeing the work being appreciated by people, which you probably don't if it's streaming all the time. You know it's out there and people are seeing it and you can see the numbers rolling up slowly, but just that initial burst of this is the work we've done. Well, we still took it to Cannes. You know, we still got to show it at Cannes and, and uh, so we did see it with an audience and, um, and look, and all that stuff, it's, it's crazy. I mean, people are watching things on their phones, you know what I mean? So, um, which incidentally makes things a little difficult for us. I mean, because you're, Look, if you're doing a play, you're, you, know, you know exactly who you're playing to. You can see them, right? And you know how big or small to modulate your performance based on the size of the room you're in and the stage you're on and all of that. You know, if you're, if you're doing a performance for a, for a movie screen, there's a different, you know, there's a, there's a level of nuance that's, that's available to you that, that wouldn't, that's not available if somebody's watching the same performance on a phone. Right. 
we're making this content, but how are people going to view this? You know, and you have to think about that. Is it almost like big films are actually damaged less by the transfer to films than smaller, quieter films might be? I, I think so. Yeah. yeah, I think I think definitely. Like in the ter in terms of in terms of the the nuance of perform of performance, right? If you if you you know, I mean, think of like think of what like Pacino did in The Godfather, right? He almost got fired because the studio said he's not doing anything. Literally, Francis moved up the scene where he ki where he in the Italian restaurant where he shoots the police officer and the and the and the other mob guy. You know where they hide the gun, and the, yeah, yeah. he moved that up in the schedule because it was the most active thing that Michael does in the in the movie, and they were threatening to fire Pacino, and they were looking at it projected, and that's how brilliant and subtle he was, right? And how still he was, like, but I mean, what does that look like on a phone? I have no idea. Yeah, I yeah. mean, I would never watch it on a phone. Yeah, 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 yeah. But who's to say this next generation? You know, my kids might. Yeah, you know, it just might be not occur to them. Just be darkness. Yeah. It just that the lighting on that fil those films are so dark. Well, Gory they, Willis, all top yeah. light. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, so, yeah, yeah. So you you could see nothing anyway. Right, uh, right, right. Would Goodwill Hunting get get made? No, right? no, no. That's the point. Is yeah. that that's 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 exactly the movie I'm talking about. Like that's a you know we made it for under twenty million dollars, and you know it's you know a movie about two people in a room talking to each other. Nobody's making that movie. In fact, when I was at Cannes. For Behind the Candelabra, um, I saw Harvey, right? And he's, you know, obviously a savior of ours. He made Goodwill Hunting. I, I love him. And he, and I instantly started giving him shit. We, we had, I said, pull up a chair. And I said, you, you explain to me why you didn't buy Behind the Candelabra. You know what I mean? And he sat and he walked me through exactly why. You know, he's look. He's two, two, yep, twenty-three. He knew all the numbers. He remembered everything. He goes, boom. He goes, well, if I if I buy that, then I got to put this much into marketing. And then I boom, I had to split it with the exhibitor. You know, you got to make a hundred million dollars. And he goes, you know, that's what I'm asking myself. Is that movie going to make a hundred million dollars? He goes, I was on the fence. He goes, I I really wanted to. He goes, now I see the movie. He goes, obviously I would buy it now. I would have bought it now. He goes, but there, you know, what a gamble on that. What a gamble. You know what a what a gamble, and the margins are so small. Um, so even someone like him, who loves movies, right, and who was the who was the guy known for his content and known for making those exact movies that have kind of evaporated now. Um, the business is just brutal. How long ago did you make this film? How long did you finish the shooting on this? Paul finished this movie like a week ago. Okay, grand. But you, you're not coming in that after a year's gap. Oh no no no! I've been I I made a, I actually made a bit of a mistake. I, I I booked five movies in a row, and I'm on the I I've just finished the fourth, and uh, and I've got one more to one more to go, and then. And are you telling anecdotes then in press days that are from the film set of other films that probably they, yeah <laughs> without realizing it probably yeah no I I've uh, you know we and it's been it's it was too much I mean I I I, I just. You know, like I said, there, there were these five directors. You know, it was Ridley Scott, and then Zhang Yimou, the great Chinese director. Then Paul, then Alexander Payne, and now I'm going to work with George Clooney in the fall. Oh, right. So I, it just, I, there's not one. I mean, I idolize the, I revere those five people. So I couldn't, couldn't say no. Yeah, but still, that's a long time away. It's a long time. Yeah, yeah. It's a long time. Can we take a break. Yeah, I'm gonna after after I finish with George, I'll I'll take next year. I think. Listen, the is there will there be another one? 
do you think there's more is there more information that he needs to find out at yeah, some point yeah. at some would point, somebody just give him a, a, like a file with everything in it right like, right you know exactly yeah um yeah i don't know i mean i i think it's well, it, it'll be up to Paul. It'll be, you know, he'll go and do a couple other movies and, and then, you know, and we'll we'll look at the world and look at, you know, each other and and decide, you know, whether or not whether or not to do another one or if there's another one there. There won't be one in which uh, he, you know, another nine years time, he's in a fight, you turn to the camera go, I'm getting to over this shit. Uh, <laughs> right. <laughs> right. No, I don't know. We're not doing that. Okay, fine. <laughs> Just thank you. It's, it's good to know that anyway. Matt Damon, it's been a pleasure. Nah, my pleasure. Thanks.